Uh, let's see. Can you turn your gain up just a tad? Not very much, just a little tad. Uh, uh, oh, fuck. <laughs> okay, there. Okay. Okay. Good enough. All right. Okay. There. Tad. Um, and what remember exactly that. Exactly, is a tad. Do you know the answer? Uh, no. Well, well according I, to the I, movie I, I, Airplane 2 in space terms, is half a billion miles. Oh. Okay. Um, let's see. Tad. To a small extent, somewhat, or a small amount of something. That is not helpful in any way. Yeah, I wonder, you know, it was so it wasn't like based on some kind of metric. You know how there's like stone there's a, or, or there's a I, band I heard called that... Tad that was an American rock band from <laughs> Seattle formed in 1988 by Tad Doyle. <laughs> to start the show. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I heard the other day that a pinch or I can't remember one of them actually meant a certain specific amount of something. Well, like a lot of those kinds of measurements have been retroactively given definitions. No, like, no, 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 no. This was one that the original definition meant this, but we just kept using the word. I can't remember which one. Oh, okay. Sh shall we start? Sure. Welcome to Curmudgeon's Corner for Saturday, March 5th, 2022. It is 4.30 UTC as we're starting to record. Uh, that's 8.30 Pacific time where I am in Seattle and uh, what, 11.30 where you are, right? Right, Yvonne? Did I, did I do the math right? 11.30 PM? Mute button. Mute button. Mute button. Hit Fuck. the mute button, Yes, Yvonne. yes, it's, it's <laughs> 11.30 here, damn it. <laughs> One day we'll, we'll, we'll figure out the mute button. Fuck, <laughs> Jesus Christ. See, the confusion all stems from the fact that I can mute Yvonne, but only Yvonne can unmute himself. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, our, our agenda today, we're going to do a, 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 a butt first, uh, as we always do. Uh, but then just like last week, the rest of the show is going to be Ukraine. Uh, there are other things going on in the world, of course, but that's the big thing. And there are all kinds of different aspects of it that we may cover, but, but that'll be plenty for us to talk about, I believe. Um, so uh, but first, I do want to say uh, a, a couple small things. One, you can probably tell the difference in audio quality because I am once again in my house in front of my actual microphone, not on a headset, not just talking into my phone with with decent internet quality and my dogs barking in the background. So, <laughs> so that's one thing. Um and I did want to uh, also mention uh, that la on last week's show, I, I made fun of my daughter a little bit for not getting my son to school in the mornings. And I was like, you know, she's bad with mornings too. He's bad with mornings. Bad combination. Well, 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 I don't know about you made fun. You you pointed out that she is about equally as bad. She doesn't like mornings. And, you know, look. 
You don't like mornings. No, I don't like no, mornings. No, I hate mornings. I mean, come on. But, like, but, I mean, but so I will. It well, oh. and, and, but, speci- but specifically, I said Alex had missed a lot of days of school. And, you know, I'd said, like, look, if I was there, I would be like, take some Benadryl and go to freaking school anyway. Well, right? but that's because we're mom, but, but because we're mom, you know, I, no, but I, I it, will say that mom and dad are always more firm. I mean, I, I but, get that. I, but here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I owe my daughter an apology. Because? because in fact, Alex was, you know, verifiably feeling under the weather. Like. You oh, know, so and it wasn't I, so and, and and I did not take him to school most of this week as well. Like he, you know, from basically he was a little peppy when I first got home, but very quickly deteriorated. And basically the whole first part of the week, um, you know, he incredibly low energy levels from him, uh, not wanting to do anything, going to bed early, sleeping like 12 hours. He didn't have a yeah, lot no, of, no. Then, 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 yeah, he's definitely sick with something because, you know, because he would be at home and he was like faking it. He'd be like, you know, bouncing off the walls. No, not no, go, no. He's not going to sleep early. Yeah, no, he was like, you know, I, I would, you know, try to get him up in the morning and he'd be like, Oh, I don't feel good. And I, I I'm like, oh, wh- whatever. And then blah, blah, blah. But the thing that like would push me over the edge, if it was only his morning behavior, I probably would have given him a Benadryl right. and sent him to exactly. school or whatever. Exactly. But, but I was in almost all these cases, the previous day he'd been acting like low energy and all snugly did not want to do anything, but ask me to please sit on the couch with him and watch TV. He was not up for doing any of his normal activities. He didn't want to do stuff on the computer. He did. He didn't wow. want to do anything. Right. He, wow. and, and so, wow. he, and, and like, I couldn't sense, I, I couldn't tell, like there weren't like a lot of externally visible symptoms. Like every once in a while you could tell he was a little bit congested, but most of the time it was just like, it, it, it really was just the lack of energy that was really showing, but it was very noticeably different than the normal Alex behavior. Right. Right. And, right. and he would say, he would occasionally say he had other symptoms. Like he would say he felt a little congested or he had a sore throat or whatever, but I couldn't tell from the outside, but I could tell the energy difference. Right. Um, and so I kept him out Monday. I kept him out Tuesday. I, uh, on Wednesday, I kept him out one more time, but I'd talked to, uh, Brandy and said, okay, if you, if you take him, if you keep him out Wednesday again, make a, you got to take him to the doctor. Yeah. Right. So we, and on Wednesday they were like, oh, we don't, you know, we don't have any in-person. We'll do a telehealth visit. I'm like, fine, whatever. We'll do the telehealth visit. And the telehealth visit, I basically, you know, well, actually I, I should say I normally like, uh, for the, for those of you who don't know, uh, I, I've mentioned this on a show before. Um, Al- Alex uh, has what's called selective mutism, uh, which means he will only speak to a small group of trusted people. Like, and you know, for those of you on the podcast, you are apparently a trusted person. He will speak apparently. on this podcast. You know, um, but okay, you know, as a matter of fact, we got to get him to shut up. <laughs> some, exactly. And like at home, he's like super articulate. He talks about all kinds of stuff all the time. You, you can't shut him up. But um, like if you go to the doctor, he will not speak a single word to the doctor. However, 
I got him to record a video for the doctor describing his symptoms, which oh. I was then able to play back for the doctor. Um, I sped it up a little. The original was like seven minutes. I put it at 1.5 speed to play for the doctor. But anyway, so he actually described his own symptoms to the doctor. I added a little bit of additional information. And the doctor's like, yeah, I want to see him in person. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, thank you so much for the telehealth visit. I originally had asked for an in-person visit. And they're like, sorry, we don't have any available. Uh, do telehealth. So, okay, fine. We did telehealth. And the result after talking to them for 15 minutes was, yeah, come in in person. And they scheduled us for the next day. Um, and so what happened at that, po- at that point, by the way, uh, and what the telehealth doctor said already was, you know, it sounds like some sort of cold that is just lasting longer than a cold usually lasts. Like apparently the typical cold is like four or five days, sometimes shorter, sometimes longer, but like average around four or five days. And this had already been like seven, eight days. Um, but they're like, you know, but you know, we should check, see if there's some strep throat going on, see if something else is happening, blah, blah, blah. Fine. All that, all that made sense. As soon as we got off the phone, with the damn doctor, his energy levels stop start picking up. Okay. You know, or I should say Zoom. That wasn't the damn phone. It was Zoom. Um, and so like the rest of Wednesday afternoon, he was pretty much him, his old self again. He started to, you know, peter out a little bit earlier than he would normally, but he was fairly active Wednesday afternoon to the point where if I didn't already have an in-person doctor's appointment scheduled for midday Thursday, I probably would have made him go to school Thursday, but we already had the doctor's appointment scheduled. So we went to the doctor, the doctor looked at him, did, you know, did the little examination, looked in his mouth, looked in his ears, whatever said, he's probably got a, a little bit going on in terms of seasonal allergies. Uh, you know, maybe resume doing the like Claritin, that we'd been doing before, but it's sort of fallen out of. Um, and also, but otherwise it seems like a cold and it's just, you know, it, it lasted eight days instead of, you know, four or five. Uh, but it seems like it's cold. It seems like he's getting over it. Send him to school tomorrow. And so, uh, we did send him to school on Friday. Uh, it was a real battle cause he was still like, I still don't feel good. I still don't feel good. I still don't feel good. Um, but, I got him to school and uh, yeah, so that that's where I was. So the whole point of that was just, I owed Amy a little bit of an apology for sort of because saying the kid was sick. The kid actually was sick and I, I, I never doubted he was feeling a little under the weather, but it was just sort of like the difference between, okay, you're a little bit under the weather, but you're not contagious. You can go to school anyway versus, okay, yeah, I agree. I wouldn't have sent him to well, school. Well, one thing that I heard uh, recently regarding uh, colds like right now mm-hmm. is that because we have been relatively isolated uh, that uh, and we normally get exposed to the cold over and over. So we build some resistance that our resistance to the cold right now is down. Right. Uh, and and, and so general. they're. They're, they're worse than they typically were. Be- now, before Correct. you got COVID, you got a cold, right? Like a few weeks before you got COVID, didn't you? Yes. Or Manu did correct. or somebody? Manu did. Manu Yeah, did. yeah, yeah. And was it a bad cold or just sort of normal? It, it was a cold. I mean, it was, uh, I, I will say it lasted longer than normal, which is why we thought maybe it was COVID, but it right. was a cold. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, that that's essentially what happened here. It was just like, 
you know, a cold that lasted a long time. And, you know, he said he still wasn't feeling great today. I'm sure he's still got some lingering symptoms going on. Uh, But, you know, but clearly on the getting better side of it. The other other part I will add to this is that after I got home from my trip, I started feeling cold symptoms too, you know, and I don't like, I, I, you know, I was pretty good, like with the mask and stuff. Although I admit, I, I admit like I did do the thing where I lifted up the mask to eat while I was on the plane and in airports and stuff. So I, you know, even though it was indoors, um, but although I, I must say like looking at this, I was like, you know, we all know about how good the circulation is in planes now. Um, and then I was looking at the airports too. I mean, the places I ate were big, wide open, like they were inside, but they were big spaces with good ventilation. So I, I didn't feel bad about that, but apparently I didn't get COVID cause I, I took some tests and they were all negative, but. I, I I think I picked up something that lasted most well, of the week. Well, I would. Well, here's one thing. When you you haven't traveled as much uh, no, in no. recent the, the, times, even like before this. Yes. So what I've seen is that when I stop traveling that much, also my allergic reactions to different mm, allergens yeah. in different locations I wind up getting more sensitive and I wind up arriving and getting sick relatively quickly. And it's not sick. It's just feeling it's allergies. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Because you're just not been exposed to any of this for a long time. And the vegetation, the air, everything is different. Um, yeah. The pollen, the everything that's surrounding you, it, it just changes a lot. And so, I think that's one that definitely you hadn't traveled in a long time. You went to to be fair. And I I started feeling the symptoms when I came back, not while I was there. Well, but it's just the change. You went, you left here and, and maybe it was the opposite in, in the sense that, you know what? Look, it's, it's what happens to me when I get, when I'm here, I, what is here locally, I am more allergic, even though I like living here, the stuff around here than in certain other places that are arid. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so when I leave here and I go to an arid climate, I feel fantastic. Okay. Mm, right. It's great. Right. And then all of a sudden I come back home and blabbo. And I will say, so, we're, we're, you know, compared to Washington, D.C., in terms of what the weather is right now, we're closer to spring here in the Pacific Northwest than Washington DC was. Now, while I was in Washington DC, it was swinging up and down a lot. There were some days that were like freezing or below and other days above 70 during the week I was there. Um, but for the most part, it was colder there, um, Mm. than it is here. And it feels like here, I mean, there there are flowers starting to come up uh, outside my house. There's stuff like that. It feels like it's starting to be spring here. And I didn't have the it's starting to be spring feeling in D.C. really. So it might just be, you know, the the seasonal pollens and stuff are starting to kick up. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. So, uh, so anyway, he really was sick. So I apologize for sort of making fun of that. He, you know. I legitimately kept him home for 
quite a few days after I got home as well. So I can't be like making fun of Amy for not getting him to school because I probably wouldn't have taken him to school either. So there you go. Okay. All right. Well, there okay. you go. That was, that was my thing. Do you, do you have a, butt first I'm old. You're old. That's it. Aside from the pure chronological aspect of this, what makes you think you're old? Look, and it's this whole. Can I just say, I, I am so much more achy in general. And, about and, and to be clear, and, both and, Yvonne and I are fifty at this point. Uh, fifty-one. Right? Oh, you're fifty-one now. I'm I'm behind. That's yes, right. You're behind. You you have hit fifty-one. I don't hit fifty-one I, for I, a few I more just, months. Uh, I, you know, especially uh, physical, like I just feel more stuff like <laughs> more stuff. No, look, uh, <laughs> the last year has been uh, whether I had plantar fascitis or I had shin splints. OK, so plantar fasciitis is a is a pain that happens at the bottom of your foot. It happens a lot to people when running, okay, which I do, I had done a bunch. Actually, when the pandemic first started and all the gyms were closed, I started running outside a lot, and that was really bad on my feet, okay? Mm. And so I got that pain. Then at the gym, we had been doing all, all this work on inclines, on treadmills, and so I developed these th- this this pain called shin splints, which is this pain in my shins that irradiates kind of like from the knee down. Okay, that's that's okay. So that's another one. Now my shoulder has been bothering me, and mm. I've been going to physical therapy for that. I mean, I don't know. It's just, oh, I mean, I'm just. Yeah, I definitely feel the accumulation of the years. Like I, I, you know, I had a shoulder injury like 16, 17 years ago that I still feel occasionally. I broke my foot like five years ago. I still feel that occasionally. I hurt my finger like two years ago and like it's still all screwed up. And, uh, and then, like you said, it's just sort of, you get tired more and, you know, it it just energy levels as quickly from stuff. Yes. Yes. You know, and, 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 I, and you know, this is this is the natural process of aging. You know, there, there was a, there was a there was a meme meme. It's a meme. It's not a mem. It's a meme, right? It's a meme. Yes, meme. Which said this discussion this week. Mem meme. It's a meme. It's a meme. Uh, uh, you know, showing like uh, how how people were when they were twenty one. And they went out all night partying and whatever. And in mm-hmm. the morning, they could go out for a five-mile jog or something or whatever. And uh, when you're like 50, in the morning the next day, basically, you're in intensive care. Okay? <laughs> and I will say that I'm not that bad. Okay? But I definitely don't have the stamina I had to be able to, as I did I so frequently did this while I was at HP, uh, because mm-hmm. especially we're, we're working in Miami. I would go out multiple days during the during the work week, and I would get home like extremely late, especially on Wednesdays. We used to always go out on Wednesdays to this to this to this club in the Coconut Grove in Miami, and the, you know stayed there until it closed just at three. So it meant that I got home at four. Ouch. And then we were, yeah. I, I was at work the next morning. Okay. Like at least by 10. 
okay? But basically, that meant that in order for me to be by there by 10, I'm waking up at 7.38 in the morning. So basically, I was going to work the next day for a full day with three, four hours of sleep tops, okay? Uh, yeah. And and I'm fine the whole next day. And maybe we went out again on Thursday, again. Right. And we didn't get home until like, whatever. And so... I could do that without a problem. Now, no, I can't do that. I mean, I, I no. Last year, the next morning, I'm just like lying in bed and I'm like, okay. All yeah. Right. La- last year, I, I think I mentioned on the show, like, um, uh, like March and April of last year, it wasn't fun stuff like that, but I had a whole bunch of work stuff going on and it was really long hours and I had lots of super short nights like that, including nights with only two or three hours of sleep. And it absolutely killed me. Like I did exactly. It. I did it, but, uh, it I killed was, you. It, I was so burnt out and so dead. And, uh, you know, yeah, this is the kind of stuff that, okay, fine. When you're in your twenties, you do some of this, like you said, doing right. it as a 50 year old was like, oh my fucking oh. God. And, and, you know, and, and also on top of it, you know, you have home responsibilities and you have a kid and you have right. this and you have because that. That's and, the, and, that. And that's the thing, because before, right, when you didn't have a kid, oh, so you stayed out all night and you did all this, whatever. Okay, well, I'll just go home and sleep. Right. No, <laughs> you don't get that shit anymore. Yep. Indeed. There's a kid to be taken to school every day. It doesn't stop every day. They have the, the, to be at school. You have the other, to take care of this. You the have other to thing. take care of that. I'm like, every <laughs> yes, morning yes. I'm like looking and I'm hearing the alarm clock and I'm like going, oh, fuck again. The other thing though, I saw, like you talked about memes. Another thing that was going around a month or two ago on Twitter uh, was people sort of comparing people like celebrities at roughly the same age now versus like 40, 50 years ago. And we're saying, you know, showing like some celebrity in the 1980s who was 60 years old versus a celebrity now who's 60 years old and how much older the 60 year old looked, you know, Look, in the 1980s. I, okay. I, I realized, oh, in the 1980s, not now. Like, yeah, no, no, right, right. Not not like the same. Oh, like yeah, taking... yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not the same celebrity. You mean a celebrity of that age then versus now? Yes. Like, well, and basically I, look, like. I, a... I, I, listen, I get that. I, I mean, I get told, and I'm, I'm not, not, you know, not bragging about this, but, you know, I, I, there's a trainer at the gym that went and. She's 20 something and she swore that I must have been in my 30s. And, you right. know, and I'm like, I, I, I'm like, no, I'm 51. And I'm like, she's like, whoa, right. what the hell? Well, and, but the thing but, is, and I'm like, like, it, like my I mean, wife, I, I for example, one, one of the. Listen, my wife is 40. What the hell is she now? 42. Look, I know what the hell moms look when they were 42. They don't look like my wife. Okay. I mean, you know, <laughs> it looked like that when I was like little and, 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 and I'm not, you know, but, but they've said like 30 is a new 40, 40 is a new 50. I mean, look, I remember, listen, I, I talk about me going out or whatever, being late, man, my dad, 
my dad never went anywhere. My dad would come home and just go to sleep. I was like in his late 30s already. I, so, my dad so one going out things, all night to do something? Forget it. One, one of the things that uh, is along this, and I, I think you pointed out when you passed this, but uh, people point out like the Brimley line, the Brimley yes. cocoon line. Wilfred <laughs> yes. Brimley pay, played one of the old people in the movie Cocoon, which by the way, I've never and seen. looked old as old fuck. And he was 50 years, nine months, and six days old when Cocoon yes. reached the theaters. That is correct. I a- have passed so- the Brimley line. <laughs> and, you know, and he looked really old. Like, oh my God, and, you, look, you look ancient. And, and th- that was in 1985, right? And he was only yes. 50, you know? <laughs> and, and like today, if you look at the picture of Brimley from Cocoon, you, you think he's in the 80s or something. Yes. Or at least the 70s, you know? Well, look, it, it's, so on Instagram, for whatever reason, because, I, well, I, for whatever reason, because I, it, I've always, I always like Madonna's music. I follow Madonna. Madonna yeah, right okay. now is 61. I mean, if you look at how Madonna looks right now, holy crap. I mean, I, I, I went and I had to look it up. I'm like, how old is she? And I'm like, holy shit, she's 61? Well, You're also, like, I'll point out the possible? Golden Girls. The Golden Girls. We all talked, you know. Um, yes, uh, yes. What's her, what's her name died this Betty uh, White. The end Betty, White. Betty White. Betty White. Betty White. But the, character, the characters in Golden Girls. Rose was 55, Dorothy was 53, Blanche was 47. Oh no, get the fuck out of here. No, the, that was the age of the characters. The grandmother was 79, okay? Uh the old the oldest one, Sophia. But 55, 53 and 47 and the whole premise of that show was those women were old enough that you know they they were over the hill, they were past their peak, they yes! were retired and whatever they were doing. I mean, I, I guess, and, 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 you know, now like, I, I mean, Blanche wasn't even 50. Jesus you know? Christ. <laughs> I, I look at her in my head and I'm like, to me, she looks 75. You know, and, and, and look, so, yeah. we were so, out tonight because it's my mother-in-law's birthday was tonight. Okay. And look, my mother-in-law is 60-something, mm-hmm. early 60s. Jesus Christ, she looks younger than all of those women. Right. Yeah, I mean, and it's just, and I guess part of this is societal expectations. Some of this are just people are healthier than they were. People are healthy. You know? Look, I mean, it was like, look, people used to, look, I remember my, gra- my grandfather you know, lived until he was 75. But let me tell you something. The last 10, 15 years of his life were not healthy years at all. Right. I mean, he really, you know, he struggled with heart problems, with other problems. He started with his mobility. I mean, this this was not good. You know, my father's 80. And I mean, that I recall, he run circles around my grandfather when he was 65. Right. Now, this is not to say age won't eventually catch up with all of us. It will. No, no, but no, it, it will. Seem- I mean, it's just, you know, it's, yeah. No. But it's, we it does seem like, yes, no, you can't. But it does seem like compared to a number of decades ago, pe- 
I, I don't want to say people are aging more slowly. It's not quite that, but the effects of age. Well, by the way, they're aging one year at a Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. But they're still aging one year at a time. Yes. They're still aging one year at a time. But, but it does seem like the obvious effects of age are, are happening a little bit later. Better health. Look, we have much better. We do. We, 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 we just have much, you know, there's better care. There's better treatment. There's better diagnosis. There's better everything. Yes. There's less smoking. There's less smoking. My God, look, I had a friend of mine that even just recently that, 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 uh, in his late fifties, quit smoking. And look, two years later, he looked like he, he aged 10 years less. I mean, he lost like mm. 10 years in his face. It's crazy. Right. And so many people used to smoke. I mean, the effects of smoking, just that, and the percentage of the population that used to fucking smoke. I mean, it was 30, was 40% huge. of people. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to figure and out who the hell do I know that really like regularly smokes like right now that's my age, I'm struggling to come up with somebody. It 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 has become that includes a, my wife who used to smoke when I met her. My my wife smoked when I met her. She stopped almost immediately afterwards. But you know, so did mine. Uh, so, but you there know, you go. So we're man. I don't know. We have a big anti-smoking effect, Sam. Holy shit! <laughs> uh, Didn't but know that. It, so it, so you're look at that. It it is it is one of these things where. Um, now, it's certainly not to say there aren't some people who look old really prematurely. That certainly is out there. But I just oh, say Jesus on average. Christ, yeah. On average, no. No, on average, yeah. And, and certainly, you know, these people that were c- comparing celebrities as well, like, you know, these are the people who have the access. You know, if, if you're talking about a rich celebrity, they have access to the best possible health care. That's what I was Madonna. Get, Holy fuck. I mean, Jesus Christ. They, they, look, they've they've got personal trainers. They're doing stuff you every day. They're exactly. doing whatever. Listen, it's not just that. They have the money that they're they're getting the best of care. They're training. They're doing they're probably using certain supplements and and injecting mm-hmm. certain stuff or whatever the hell it is or whatnot. A <laughs> little bit that, of you plastic know, that we, surgery we here and there. Well, see, so, you know, they, I, I've noticed that they try to avoid plastic surgery right now. They're more like a little bit of Botox, lotion, you know, creams, whatever. It, it, it's, you know, it's not just, it's not plastic surgery as much because back then, you know, you, you can think of plastic surgery, surgery, you think of Joan Rivers and she looked like a cartoon. Okay. All right. Back then. Now, and if you look at them now, they, from yeah, botched plastic yeah, surgery. Yeah. Like, end? yeah. When she was like, like 90 or something or whatever, that she wanted to do another surgery. But she but wasn't that now, old. Go ahead. They, I, oh, fuck. Hey, Siri, how old is Joan <laughs> Rivers when she now. died? Okay. Let's see. Joan Rivers died September 4th, 2014, at age 81 in Mount Sinai Hospital. So she was 81. Okay. So anyway, it was at 81. Okay. Okay. But, but, uh, so not 90, but anyway, but she was pretty old getting that damn surgery. What I'm saying is that back then, you know, they used surgery and the surgery used to look fake. Okay. I mean, you could tell like people like whatever. So now they're using other stuff that gets rid of wrinkles and stuff or whatever. And just, just not as just bad. The technology has just gotten better. And, and look, like I said, it's like, uh, you know, uh, Jennifer Lopez, like 50, over 50 years old. And she did this thing at the Super Bowl last year, which everybody was like losing their mind. 
because she's pole, pole dancing or whatever at fucking 50 years old. And my wife and I said, listen, if I had the money that she does, and we are like, basically, where this is your profession, right? It's just like you said, she's training every day. She's got a gym at her house. There's a guy that whipping her into shape every day. Yeah, I'll fucking pole dance, you know, all the time you want if I got that much time. But, you know. But- I, I don't know if that would rake in the pay-per-view, Yvonne. Yvonne pole dancing. I, I don't think, I don't think that, I, I, I really don't think that uh, the ratings would be good on me pole dancing. I, I will say that I think that I think the ratings would be abysmal. I think that people would be turning off the TVs quite abruptly and just calling in and complaining and rightfully so. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. All right. So a- let's, a- let's anything move else? on. From... No. Okay. We will take a quick break. And when we come back, it'll be all Ukraine until the end of the show. So buckle up. Do, do, do. Hello, this is Arian Neural. I'm here to let you know about Sam the Curmudgeon's other podcasts, the Wiki of the Day podcasts. (laughs) I'm laughing. There's supposed to be more to that than that. (laughs) Okay, I kind of was like (laughs) expecting more and I'm like, okay. There's supposed to be a whole thing here. Oh, wait, let me try it again. Hold on. Do, do, do. Hello, this is Arian Neural. I'm here to let you know about Sam the Curmudgeon's other podcasts, the Wiki of the Day podcasts. And she stops. Okay. I'll... Okay. Well, there you go. Any other well, questions? Okay. Let's move on. She, she she was going to tell you about. Uh, let's let's see what what, what was it? Um, uh, uh, the the she was going to tell you about today's popular Wiki of the Day, which was on Shane Keith Warren, who was an Australian cricketer. Okay. Who 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 died apparently uh, a day ago or so, um, and uh, uh, I'm I'm not going to read you the whole thing. I don't know why she didn't read you the whole thing. I I I, I should have tested that before I went, but uh, apparently that's it. Anyway, I, I'm not going to try to fix it now. But uh, yeah, um, yeah. Popular Wiki of the Day. Check out my other podcasts. Uh, WikiOfTheDay.com. You can see them all there. Popular random featured they're just picked from wikipedia in different ways uh the popular one is by far the most popular and actually this 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 brings me to one thing that uh is ukraine related that i wanted to mention uh that i had sort Mm -hmm. of on my list um and then we'll talk about the rest of it uh which is for for popular wiki of the day i have a restriction that that tries to you know help with you, you know how people periodically mess up wikipedia pages they like yes. scram they 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 because anybody can edit wikipedia they will add random shit to it they will put yes. spin into it they will replace yes. it with random stuff anyway in order to prevent my automated wiki of the day podcast from from spitting out something that is just a vandalized Wikipedia page. Um, I have it when it picks the page that it's going to do, it checks how recently it was updated. And if it has been updated, if the most recent update was less than 30 minutes in the past, it waits a minute and then tries again. And because the, the notion being that if an edit lasts 30 minutes, 
usually vandalism gets cleaned up within 30 minutes. Okay. Okay. That's so, a, okay. So Safe for, yeah. So for February 25th, uh, so for, for, um, for the, the popular wiki of the day covering the most popular Wikipedia page based on number of views from February 24th. And I exclude like any page is only eligible once every hundred days, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, the page was the 2022 Russian invasion of Ukraine. And so it, it, it decided that that was the page it wanted to do and looked it up and guess what? It had been less than 30 minutes since the last revision of that page. It waited a mm. minute, checked again, less than 30 minutes, waited again, checked again. You know, do you want to know how long it took before it, there was a 30 minute gap between edits? I don't know. How long? Five days. Damn. Because obviously it was a real time event. And right. uh, so, so the, the the February 25th episode of Popular Wiki of the Day did not come out until March 1st, because that entire time it was waiting for a time when the page went a whole 30 minutes without any edits. And people were constantly in there in that page, like editing every like mo- and I was periodically checking it to see is it close yet is it close yet and almost every time I looked at the edit history there'd been a, an edit within the last 2 minutes um and often in less than in, in the last minute uh because you know people were real time updating the wikipedia page on all of the details of what was going on with the invasion and building it out cuz obviously this was a brand new wiki page this wasn't like a page that had been around a while um, and, uh, yeah, so constantly, and, and let me, let me, let me look, uh, right now at this page, actually see, see how we're doing. Um, so I'm looking, uh, at the, the, the wiki page right now, um, as of right now, about 20 minutes since the last edit. So it's slowed down a little bit, but it's still like, you know, constant updates. Uh, so. Anyway, that's why the Russian invasion of Ukraine uh, is still the topic of the week. Um, so where do you want to go next with this, Yvonne? Uh, where do you want to start? Uh, let, let's just start with the situation on the ground as it exists right now, and then we'll go from there. Um, I guess the, the key element of the last week, since last time we talked about it, uh, is that the Ukrainians have been able to put up a much better defense than people expected and the Russians wait 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 than other people expected I did expect it <laughs> okay um most of the yeah, exp- let's clarify let's clarify here most of you know most of what you said Yvonne to be fair was about how they wouldn't the Russians wouldn't be able to hold it but in any case, most of the experts expected that the Russians would be able to come in pretty damn quickly. There were predictions of Kiev falling within two days, things like that, um, or Kiev. Um, no, and, and of course, that actually, hasn't happened. What and I, I think said it was both things. I said, one, that it was going to be very difficult to take. And if they did, that it would be very difficult to keep. Okay, fine. So, But the, the two factors that seem to be at play here um, is that at least so far, A... 
the Ukrainians have done an incredible job, both their armed forces and civilians just jumping in and doing stuff. And two, uh, the Russian effort has so far seemed to be incredibly incompetent and they've got, uh, they've got supply issues. They've got equipment quality issues. They've got all kinds of stuff. Now, having said that the Ukrainians have they've really so far, They've slowed them down, but not stopped them. Every time you see an updated map of the conflict, the Russians have pushed for a little bit further. It's just going a lot slower than seemingly the Russians expected or lots of experts expected and with a lot more losses on the Russian side than expected. Um, and that's seemingly where we are now. Uh, what, people have said in the last couple of days, a transition that's starting to happen is that the Russians seem to have gone from expecting this sort of quick blitzkrieg type victory where the Ukrainians would just fold and they'd, they'd kill or capture the president or he'd flee to another country and everything would sort of collapse around them to recognizing that's not going to be the case and instead moving to uh, laying siege to cities and, you know, you know, going after and going after the civilian population as well, uh, not just military targets. Uh, and so look, we're looking at it getting bloodier as we go. Look, there, there was today a Wall Street Journal article which talked a little bit about how effective the Ukrainians had been in terms of uh, defending and attacking the Russians and how. Uh, they were able to inflict significantly, exponentially bigger losses on them versus what they were able to uh, inflict on them. And and during the week, uh, Ed uh, on our on our uh, Curmudge's Corner Slack, who uh, uh, from what I understood is because you know he had been in the military and he was a military doctor. He was in Desert Storm. Mm -hmm. He explained that back then. Um, that what we're seeing is kind of typical of what we've seen with uh, armies that have been trained and using Russian equipment. Mm. That basically we were able to inflict 50 losses for every single one or maybe that they were able to inflict on, on the reverse. Um, and what they seem to be relying on is on numbers. So yep. we're sending in a lot of people and equipment. Uh, and at first they thought that... Uh, Oh, they're going to see all these troops and they're just going to give up. Well, right. they didn't. So now what they're trying to do is just bombard. Uh, this is not uh, a planned bombardment. They're not really targeting anything specific. Now they're just shelling them. Right. Uh, just however many shells that we can fire and let's see what we can hit. Which, by the um, way, a number of people have pointed out this is this is exactly the kind of stuff that Russia did in Chechnya. It's exactly what yeah. they did in Syria. They did it in the Georgia conflict as well. So this is not a new strategy for the Russians. It's just, it, but it's it, it's it's their it's their backup after that first plan did not seem to get the results they wanted. Correct. the 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 thing that um that is a problem is that this isn't a winning strategy either. It, it, um, this this has moved to a from a strategy where you're actually taking just over punishing the, them. Well, the the first strategy is like if if it had worked, 
you end up setting up a puppet government and you 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 run the country through your your puppet regime and right. and that kind of stuff. This strategy does not get you a workable regime that you control. This gets you uh, a failed state kind of scenario where you 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 blow up everything. You keep anything from functioning. Well, not You're, even. Not even a failed state. It gets you just that you hurt them so much that I took pleasure on just giving you pain. Because it's not even a failed state. A failed state would be, uh, look, failed state is to me like Venezuela, where nobody recognizes the government. It's a civil war. They have no funding to to recover. That's a failed state. I, okay? I think you end up something more like Syria. Well, no, remember, because Syria also, it, it, listen, Syria was a civil war. So yes, that yes. doesn't work either. No. Yeah, I'm not, it's not, not none Syria. of these are direct. It's not, it's, not a, direct it's, it's not either of those. No, this is the thing. All you wind up is inflicting pain. What? What's that going to do long term? Look, you already committed $100 billion for reconstruction. So all you did is like cause a lot of pain and in the end get nothing other than you killed a lot of people because apparently you're bloodthirsty. Thank you. That's fantastic. Well, you, and you, by you, the way, but, but here's the worst part of this, of, of how this is stupid. Yeah. By the way, economically, the Russians are, are going to uh, get the worst of it because yeah, well, at some point they're going to run out of bullets and they're going to run out of tanks to get hit because the supply of shit that we're sending to take them out is not stopping. And because they're being so effective at hitting them, at some point they're running out of this shit. One of the things that came out in one of the articles that I was reading today is that what the Ukrainians very smartly are concentrating right now is on... Uh, they're sending their special forces to hit the supply lines. Yes. Just hit them all. Just cut them off from any supplies. Well, you know what? If they keep running out of trucks because they're hitting them that effectively, at some point, it's what's happening right now. The Russian troops are looting for food because they're running out of food. Okay? Right. They're looting for fuel because they're not having fuel. Okay. And so, yes, they have shells and yes, they are firing them. But if they keep getting cut off from the damn supply, and by the way, last time I checked, I doubt that the Russians have an unlimited supply of them. Okay. At some point, you've got all your vehicles destroyed, you ran out of shells, and your army is starving and out of fuel. You know what? <laughs> this is this is idiotic. Okay, at this point, so and all it shows is that Putin is bloodthirsty. And by so, the way, I'm not saying this just from me analysis, which I thought originally. David Petraeus said this on TV the other day. Yeah, okay, so one right. of the this is no, this is the dumbest fucking this is this is <laughs> all just some bloodthirsty asshole sitting in Moscow saying, "Hey." Ukraine, you didn't heal to me? Fine, I'm going to fire all your bullets at you. And oh, by the way, I don't care if I bankrupt the whole fucking country for it. So, so a couple things. One of the things that in that equation that you just laid out is what's the exact timing? Like, are they... Are the Ukrainians able to inflict enough damage in time before the Russians can come in and, like, let's just, as an come example... Come in with what? They're going to run out of food. They're running out of food and fuel. At some point. Yeah, yeah, right. This right. The, is the, unsustainable. They're no, not no, coming yeah. in to do anything. Right. Well, the question, again, is the timing. Like, are they able to kill the president before they run out of stuff? No! You know? 
No! It take, all it takes is one lucky shot. Apparently he f- survived well, three okay, assassination they, attempts in the last week. Yeah, and, and you know one of the things that they said about the assassination attempts that some of the people organized them is that apparently our intelligence is being good because they were like, holy shit, they knew they were onto us in the beginning. Yeah. They fucking like nailed us. We didn't have a shot. <laughs> um. So now, ha- having said all this, like... um. By, by the way, this goes back yes. to the fact that a number of military analysts also said that the entire strategy seems to be completely incompetent. That yes, it's just that it, that it that has just, been re- just, that has been repeated multiple times. And then the, the caveat that people give on that is: Are they able to pivot and learn from any of this stuff and change that strategy or not? Um, and because if another you go pro- back in history to how autocratic not, and no, they never have been. The, this the is other the history of them. The other thing I'll throw out there that's been part of the reporting on this, and we'll talk a little bit about the Infowar stuff in a second, but is that apparently a huge percentage of the actual troops on the ground, you know, they were not let in on this plan at all. They didn't know they they were going in on, they had no idea. They thought they really were on training exercises. They did not inspect, they did not expect to invade Ukraine. They were not prepared for that mentally. They did not know what, they they did not expect any of this. They came into Ukraine and then when they did, they were told by their, you know, leadership that, you know, the whole, you'll be greeted as a liberator kind of thing. And then they got there and people are fighting back. People are throwing themselves under the vehicles. People are calling them fascists. People are whatever. And they're like, what the hell is going on? They're going to die literally in their face. Yes. And, and, and so like the morale, uh, you know, amongst these Russian troops is apparently completely like negative, like on the floor. Uh, they, they don't understand why they're there. They don't want to be fighting. You know, they, they're doing what they're told cause they have to, but there's no sort of, um, will to really be doing this. And so, uh, this is not the force you want. And a good deal of these are conscripts as well, which are, you know, are, are not trained really to the levels that you would want them to be, to do this stuff right either. Like if quote unquote, right. But look, you didn't tell them what the plan is. You didn't even like tell them that they're going to war. You fucking like go and you toss them in there like cannon fodder. Okay. And so, you know, uh, it's really hard you know, for, for, for the overall motivation. Now, look, it's not like they haven't done anything. There are things that they haven't done, but at the same time, what I'm saying is that, look, it's not sustainable. Okay. It's just not sustainable. And I'm not talking about months. I'm talking about weeks. There's just, I don't see how this is sustainable. Uh, especially, you know, when, the Ukrainians are getting, like, as the reporting shows, they're getting very advanced weapons that are way better than, than they are. By the way, the other reason why uh, everybody knows what the hell they're doing, they're also using unencrypted radios. Right. The Russians And are. cell phones. Yes, the Russians. And cell phones. Yep. Um, And so they can't even communicate properly amongst them or hide what the hell their moves are, because I guess they weren't planning on that. Because it goes back to the original plan. And they just weren't outfitted with the technology, I guess. Right. Correct. Uh, and so I, I don't I don't see how they can continue. Look, I, I give it like at the most that they can sustain this, maybe 60 days. 
Now, does that inflict a lot of casualty to Ukrainians? Yes. But given that everything shows that the Ukrainians are willing to fight to the death, whereas the Russians are, are basically the ones that are out there are like, we don't even want to be here. I mean, now it, it, it's it's it, it, the, the the thing is that unfortunately, this is a scenario that still inflicts a lot of damage and death. Okay. Yes. But in the now, end, and, do and not. Also, I want you know, to all for nothing. Also, I I, I want to like be a little bit cautious here. I mean, I, I certainly understand what you're saying, and a number of people, experts, have are starting to move in your direction, but almost all of them put a lot of caveats on it and say, "Look, the Russians." are having a lot of trouble right now, but they've got a whole bunch of advantages still. And this is not by any means over. We are not at the point where we can say the Ukrainians are going to win this and push the Russians back out and all of this kind of stuff. You know, Listen, I see a lot of the advantages, and this is one of the things when I see a lot of military analysis in which they look always keep looking at it in troop strength. How many tanks, how many this, how many that, which is why in the first place I kept hearing, well, it's going to fall in a couple of days. And I'm like, well, if war was just based on that, then it'd just be, you know, it'd be academic. I mean, the, the U.S. would have never beaten Iraq for example, uh, hmm. in, in one of the first wars, uh, based on the size of their army. It, it, it's not about that in many cases. Um, you know, the determination of the fighter and what they are willing to put up and what they are willing to do is crucial. Uh, look, you, you go back, go back in wars. You see what happened in Vietnam, for example. Look, we had overwhelming power. We had overwhelming power. Were we able to beat the North Vietnamese? No. And we had overwhelming power. Okay. Right. There, there is nothing like a determined group of people that are not willing to give up their land. And, 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 and you know, and people unless you're going to their own in, homes is like, right more motivating than anything else. Like if you've got two armies fighting over a piece of land that, you know, is not home to either one of them, it's a completely different dynamic. If you've got people fighting to save where they have lived all their lives and where their families are and all of this kind of stuff, it's, it's a very different dynamic. Absolutely. And I go back to, uh, world war two. Um, look, the Germans at the end, their Achilles heel wound up being supply chain, supply lines. Okay. That um, they overextended when they tried to go too far. The, well, but, but not even that I'm talking about after D day in the end, they, they, they were so sh listen, they were like, they're they They still had good tactics and, and other things, but they could, they couldn't resupply the troops at the front. They just right. couldn't. So all their mechanized machines were running out of fuel, running out of bullets, running out of everything. So it didn't matter if they were that good. They were they 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 were they were sitting ducks, and and that's historically been one of the most important things in keeping a war machine operating. But you know, look, they there are they they don't have a good way of repairing their vehicles. Their vehicles are old. They don't have the spare parts. They're having trouble resupplying anything. And 
they're going and like I I I saw one thing where they, for example, bombed the fuel depot uh, you know, outside Ukraine, right? Uh, outside Kiev. And I'm like, okay, great. So maybe you could have gotten fuel for them, but you bombed the fuel depot, so you can't even take their fuel either because you fucking blew it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and they're more dependent on that because of the kind of machinery they're using. I, I I just since the beginning of this, look, when you have a determined group of people defending their home, and they are armed, and they are getting arms. Okay, they're not defenseless. This is not Aleppo. Unfortunately, the you know how did uh, the the Russians go and like freaking like blow up you know blow Aleppo to bits? Well, they had both the Syrian army on their side with the president of the country together with them against a whole bunch of for the most part unarmed civilians. Sure, you blew them up. I mean, unfortunately, you you know you took on a city full of unarmed civilians, but that's not this case it's 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 not at all and in this case you don't have the local government on your side you don't have anybody on your side on that end and you know they they, those people are fighting and armed and so i i I just you know some of those conspiracies just don't make any sense to me uh uh but but look can the russians inflict a lot of damage before this is over yes can they kill a lot of people? Yes. It's going to be awful, unfortunately, because, you know, Putin is a bloodthirsty fucking guy who I think, like, right now is more determined on, again, on just inflicting pain more than mm-hmm. anything else. Well, and, and and along those lines, and I guess we'll talk about this when it comes to sort of how NATO is involved in stuff as well, is the big open question still remains, like, does Putin at some point say we're... Yeah, we're not doing well. Let's just nuke it. Mm. Which that's obviously a concern to everybody. Because that uh, would obviously I mean, change the equation instantly. Well, that would change the equation in a lot of instances. So that's the question about, look, that goes back. Do you think Putin is suicidal? Yeah, here's, here's, I mean, here, here's what I think. And, it's, a, and it's an important uh, question. I, I think... That if there's enough domestic resistance in Russia already, including in leadership circles where there's starting to be doubts, some of which are expressed publicly, and they're trying to clamp down on communication channels and kill what remained of the the free press in Russia, shut down social media. They're doing all that kind of stuff. But we've, we've heard reports of doubts, even among leadership, even amongst people in government. I feel like you know, Lindsey Graham did this whole, is, is there somebody who yeah, will kill, yeah, yeah, yeah. kill Putin? I know. And I don't, I don't think that's, you know, no. first of all, he, he shouldn't have said that, but he shouldn't have said, that. but I feel like if he actually tried to escalate this into a, a nuclear conflict, there are enough people who would realize how bad that would turn out for Russia that someone would remove him and maybe it's not killing him, but the, the, at some point the orders would get refused. He would be kicked out. Somebody else would come in with some sanity on that at least, because if they got to the point where they were desperate enough to think about that, that also means their losses were already mounting and mounting and mounting. You, the economic stuff that's coming from the sanctions is already pretty bad and be getting worse. Um, 
you're this is this is the kind of environment. I mean, th- this whole thing was a big gamble for Putin. Uh, you know, if, if, if it if it had worked out with sort of the immediate collapse of Ukraine and the Western alliance being fractured and blah, 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 this would be a huge win for him. It hasn't been working out that way. So his position is not what it was. Now, I, I'm not at the point where I'm predicting he's going to be gone in a week or anything like that. He's got a very, you know, he's got a strong position, but when you have autocrats like this, it's often, they're very strong until the moment they're not. Right. That's exactly right. And so it could change on a dime. And I feel like if they were pushed into a position where he was like, fuck it, let's use nukes. That might be the tipping point for him. Right. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of, that's a hopeful statement, right? Because the, 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 if it actually, if if he actually successfully turned this into a nuclear conflict, I I mean, successfully, I don't know. I don't know, but that's the the, the nuke, you know, successful nuclear conflict sounds like an oxymoron. Well, right. I mean, the the question is, I mean, is it, if he only nuked uh, Kiev and not anyone in NATO, you know, what else would the world do that we haven't done now? Would would that bring NATO in to say, okay, fuck it, we're going to have a nuclear war now? Well, I don't know about a nuclear war, but I don't think that he can get away with just nuking Kiev without having some serious reprisals, military-wise. Because at that point, it's like, what the hell, you know, you know, what's stopping him from nuking somebody else? Right, but that's where you go that that's where you go downhill fast right like if you're right. if if nato's now going to attack uh russia directly and he's already nuked a city what's to stop him from nuking more cities you know at that point and then we're going to be nuking and then that that's the scenario you don't want that's that's why everybody like there's this whole thing about these people clamoring well, that for is a no reason. fly zone and this is I why know, you and don't that's do the that. reason why everybody is resisting that i i i agree and even though i know that Many people are upset about it, but but I, I, I just don't see how the hell we could do something else at this point. I mean, base, basically one division you see on this whole no-fly zone thing is basically the, the people who tend to be calling for that are the people who don't remember the Cold War because they're too young. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I know. And I've heard um, uh, what's his what's his name? Tom Nichols uh, has been talking about this. A bunch of other people have as well. But, uh, you know, basically looking at, hey, look, um, and uh, Lawrence O'Donnell on MSNBC has been talking about this as well. Um, for the entire Cold War, there were all kinds of situations where Russia was doing things that we did not like and but we which didn't were hurting go to people, war over them and we did not go to war over them we saw you know russian troops in czechoslovakia in hungary in they we they put up the berlin wall they did all kinds of things and but dude, you know, that didn't stop us from doing what we're doing right now which is like for example in afghanistan we freaking armed them to the teeth yes yes and and what happened in all of those conflicts is there was sort of, you know, the, the, the term was mutually assured destruction, right? When both Correct. sides sort of knew, 
okay, we can play these little games with proxy right. armies in other countries, yes. but we yes. are not going to ever go head to head to head because Correct. if we did, we're all going to die. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. You know? And Absolutely. so, and, and so th- on both sides, there were, there were situations where it would have made in the absence of nuclear weapons, it would have made sense to escalate militarily directly on the other side. Right. But we didn't do it, but we did not do it. Um, and, 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 and the Russians didn't do it either in a number of scenarios right. where they could have yep. gone after us forces. Um, yes. and, and this is the scenario that we have here where, and one thing that the Biden administration and the rest of NATO has been very, very, very clear on over and over and over is we will not directly engage in this conflict. Period. Look, We're not- one thing that I said yesterday, uh, yesterday somebody asked me a question. I saw this whole thing that was happening around the shelling of the nuclear power plant, okay? Mm-hmm. Which eventually stopped. Look, the one scenario where I could see that we would do something is like, look, we're sorry, but we're going in to secure the nuclear power plant because we're not, you know, we, we can't have a nuclear disaster. Okay. That was mm. one scenario where yeah. I said, okay, may, maybe, you know, NATO will go and it will say, you know, we're, we're setting up a security zone around nuclear reactor. Nobody can touch this. You know, because yeah. of the it, it, nuclear catastrophe. But other than stuff like that, it, it's just it, it's just too dangerous. So one one point on the other side of this, and because this is a fine line that we're trying to say that you know, hey, we're not going to directly send NATO troops in. However, we're quite happy arming them. We're quite happy sharing intelligence. We will do all this stuff. The Russians have come out and said. Hey, we don't recognize this as a difference. You know, if you are supplying weapons, you are a combatant. However, uh, they can suck it. That's just bullshit. They're just whatever. Well, the, the question is, are they willing to actually take action on that? And I think the answer guess, so far has been no. Um, no you know, they are willing that. to say that. And for instance, there was a they made those statements right after there'd been a lot of statements going on talking about the potential of. Eastern European NATO countries transferring old MiGs, uh, fighter jets, uh, to the Ukrainians. And there were talks of moving potentially up to 70 planes uh, from like Poland and uh, a few other Eastern European countries that had some of these old Soviet planes. Mm -hmm. Um, And after that conversation was going on, Russia made these statements about how we consider transfer of equipment the same as if you are a combatant, and those plans seem to have evaporated. Now, there's some question whether those plans were really real. The Ukrainians were saying that that was a commitment and it was going to happen. There was sort of hemming and hawing from the Eastern I, Europeans. I just don't but, see how those plans are, were workable anyway. But, um, but here, look. Here, the, re, the reason they were talking about those is because the Ukrainian pilots were already trained in the use of those planes, whereas they wouldn't be if we gave them like more modern Western planes, et cetera. But, no, but the point... But still, no, wait, 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 let, let, let me get to my point. The, the point was though, that that did seem to scare off maybe the Eastern European countries from actually doing that. 
However, mm. it certainly hasn't stopped the transfer of anti-aircraft missiles. Right. It hasn't. Right. Uh, it hasn't stopped the transfer of you know small weaponry, ammunition. Uh, even drones, I believe, have been being transferred yes. from like uh, yes. Turkey and other places. You know, it, it hasn't stopped any of that. And the question to me is if if Russia was truly of the mindset that supplying this stuff was the same as being a direct combatant, then at some point their response would be, okay, fine, we're not going to wait for the stuff to cross the border into Ukraine. We're just going to shoot you know, hit targets in Poland where the stuff is being staged to go into Ukraine or something. But I don't think they're doing that because they know that's the instant escalation yeah. that says now, now you are in a war with NATO. Right. Yeah, exactly. They know that, but, they're, but they're going to do the saber rattle. Obviously they're going to mm-hmm. do it. I mean, they, they you know, they're, they're going to do it. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, and I understand uh, talking about not, not, not morally, strategically. I understand that that's 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 the card they have to play, and it's a threatening card, and they're they're trying to make sure to to keep uh, the line being towed, and they're gonna they're gonna play those cards. So, mo- moving on to a couple other things on this, I did want to mention. Um, one of the factors here uh, that that has been shaping the worldwide opinion and everything is that Ukraine has absolutely been dominating the sort of information, I, I want to call it information war, but it's shaping the information environment. Um, and there are a couple factors in this. One, they just seem to be much more adept like at shaping yes. the narrative of what's going yeah. on. Um, one example, I'll just point out, it, this is not all truthful information. Last week, we talked about this story of the people saying, go fuck yourself to the Russian warship and that all yep. those Ukrainians were killed. As it turns out, though they were captured, not killed. They were captured, not killed. Yep. But it makes yep. a better story if they were killed. Right. You know, and so you have this sort of, they're building the sort of patriotic narrative of of what this looks like. And they're being very careful. They're, they're sharing and amplifying social media that makes the Russians look really stupid and makes the uh, Ukrainians look noble and proud and whatever. And I'm not saying that some of that isn't true, but they're being very, very careful and, and smart about how this stuff is being amplified to shape the worldwide public opinion. Meanwhile, the Russians, by the very nature of what they're doing, are hobbled on this because they're trying to pretend domestically that this isn't happening at all. You know, right. they're absolutely it, it, pretending that it's not happening at all domestically. Yes, they they are trying to position this as we are this peacekeeping force for these two provinces. We are not bombing Kiev. We're not bombing Kiev at all. Um, I saw something uh, earlier today where someone was doing man on the street interviews in Russia with people and, you know, the vast majority of people interviewed uh, and, you know, this 
how free did I feel of talking in the current environment? A, a good question. But most of the answers they got were, you know, we we trust Putin. We don't believe any. You know, we're, of course, we're not doing this in 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 Ukraine. We would never do that. We're just protecting this one area, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And in order to do this. As I said earlier, Russia is shutting down social media. Russia is shutting down uh, Mm -hmm. independent press. Um, They are arresting thousands of people who are doing anti-war demonstrations. Um, They they passed a new law that uh, that potentially puts people on the hook for treason and up to like 20 years in jail for even mentioning that they're against the war or anything like that. Um, there's all kinds of stuff like that going on. And so they, it's hard for them to put out a counter narrative to what the Ukrainians are saying, even if they wanted well, to. Well, because, because, well, here's the problem. What is the counter narrative that they've got? The counter narrative is what they're telling their own people, which is no, we're peacekeepers. No, we're not. We're not even shoot. We're not even shelling the cities. I was just looking today a couple of stories of people that were Russians that lived in Ukraine that have families back in Russia that they're calling back their family and telling them that we are being shot at, and the family doesn't believe them because they're watching state TV. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, how fucked up is that? Yeah. <laughs> so their narrative is that uh what is it that uh that Ukraine is being led by what do you say drug addicted what the hell did he call Nazis. them drug Nazis drug addicted Nazis. Nazis. Yeah. Nazis even though you know he's Jewish but hey why why let that interfere with this okay and that they're peacekeeping and that they're liberating uh eastern Ukraine okay for the Russians and defending them from aggression, right? And and they're and they're saying that Ukrainians were committing genocide against the Russians in eastern Ukraine. Exactly. Z- okay. And, and zero evidence all, that anything is, like there, that. There is happening. not even one. Sh- I mean, and there is live video of them shelling, you know, fucking Kiev. Okay. There is, you know, th- it, it, that's the problem. The only way you can control a narrative like that is if you have people like you know, like at home watching state TV where you, and you suppress all the information. That's it. It's the only way for that narrative to hold water. Right. And, and, but given that they're going with that narrative, they also can't try to promote a, you know, look at our glorious victories in Ukraine either. Yeah. They can't even promote that either. (laughs) So the, you know, and, and and frankly, look, the President Zelensky or whatever, the fact that he is a former actor, like, does not hurt at all here. He knows how to do a show, you know? Look, but, um, but, I, but let me tell you something. Look, when this started, I got to say that my some of my first thoughts were about what the hell would I do if I'm getting attacked at home? Mm-hmm. Right. Say it's here and this is what's going on. What do we do? Okay. Do people, you know, do, do, do we just run and save the family? What is it that you do? Okay. You know, listen, the kind of fucking balls that it takes to do what the hell they are doing to just say, nope, we're not going anywhere. 
and we're going to sit here and we're going to face these fuckers. And, and I, I want to add one thing. Like there was, I, I saw some comments somewhere uh, about, you know, how, look, they're sending the families across the border and the men are staying home to fight. Apparently like almost 20% of the Ukrainian defense forces are women. Right. You know, and there, there, there've been plenty of pictures showing, you know, there are a lot of badass women there too. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, uh, I, and, and I'm, you know, I use the term balls more. I don't no, know. I know, I know, I know. I wasn't speaking that. I, I just, there, I, I've seen some comments basically that made it sound like, oh, all the families are going away and the men are staying to defend. No, it's not just the men, you know? Yeah, yeah no, but, but, but. But let me contrast this. What the hell happened in and, Afghanistan? And look, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. If I was in the scenario, I, I'd be trying to get out. Listen, I, but contrast this to what the hell happened in Afghanistan when all of a sudden, oh, the Taliban's coming. They weren't even in Kabul. What did the right. guy do? I mean, the guy of Afghanistan, they weren't even in the city. They weren't even close yet. He left. Yeah. I mean, he didn't. He was like, well, well, time's up. Okay. See ya. Bye. Okay. I mean, I think we didn't even know about it until he was gone. Right. And, and I think Putin was absolutely expecting that's what would happen here. Yes. And instead, what you've got is a show of uh, gumption that I, I, I mean, I'm, look, my respects. I mean, that, that, uh, to the man, because he's, you know, you know, I, I think the main reason, obviously, he's doing this is because it's not just about defending home, it's about defending people. I mean, you know, they said, and, and I totally believe it, that, you know, Putin was coming in with a hit list of people to execute, I totally believe it. Oh, of course. Yeah. I'm I sure mean, he's, I'm sure. The brutality that was to come if they took over as well and that for the foreseeable future for Ukraine was going to be horrible. And it was like, look, what the fuck did we do? Um, so yeah, yeah. So I, I think that the, the leadership shown by them isn't just a PR because you're going right. to have PR and be sitting, you know, whatever and tweeting, whatever it's by PR and by acts. Yes, they, the, the two obviously come together. I, I, I guess what one of my points is, they are so good at PR. The picture probably looks a little bit better than it really does, but that's not to say they're not. There's not an underlying truth that they are doing pretty good. But well, what I'm are, saying is that there, I know a is, lot of people that do great acts and can't uh, communicate them well. This guys right. can do great acts and sell them. Right. Which is the, the perfect combination for this. So uh, a, a couple other things here. So moving on. Uh, you had talked before about how this whole thing was completely fucking backfiring for Putin. Uh, mm. You know, he, he's worried about NATO expansion and things like that. Yep. Um, yep. In the last week, we've had <laughs> three countries ask for membership in the EU. And now it's not NATO. <laughs> 
But we had Ukraine. Well, 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 well Finland and Sweden are Mon- talking about NATO. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna mention them in a second. But in terms of actually happening, what it, it was, uh, Ukraine, Montenegro, and Georgia, I believe, have all officially submitted applications to the EU. Am I right on those three countries? I could be. I, I believe wrong. right. I believe correct. No, I believe you're correct. Um, and this is something that you know maybe had been talked about before, but they're all on a fast track now. You know, specifically, you know, Ukraine already. The 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 EU is like, okay, you're in candidate status already. Like a day later, right? You know, right. Um, yes. and I'm sure the others will be seriously considered. As you mentioned, Sweden and Finland are reconsidering whether or not they might want to join NATO. And right. the and the U.S. administration or, and others have reiterated that NATO's open door policy remains, and if they wish to apply, they will be considered seriously. And basically, you know, Putin had specifically put out a statement, <clears throat> or I guess his government had some foreign minister or somebody, uh, telling, you know, Finland and Sweden <laughs> to stay the hell out of it, and that you know, this kind of thing would be considered aggression on their part and would not be accepted by Russia either. And they're like, yeah, okay, we're, we're still going to talk to them. You know, right. and the and, uh, amount- president, of fin- president of Finland, is it pre- president of Finland? Uh, uh, I don't know. Probably prime yeah, minister. Well, he was meeting with Biden today in person yes. in the White House. And they called Sweden up on the phone while they were there. Yes. Um, and meanwhile, also, you know, Germany has, over the last week and a half, all of the objections they had on some of these economic military. sanctions and so have disappeared. And on the military side, they have decided to double their minis- their military spending budget and basically said, look, the events of the last two weeks have proven that we need to have our own domestic capacity. Yes. And this is something that Germany in particular had been resisting for decades and decades and decades when, you know, multiple U.S. administrations were saying, you need to pick up more of your own defense, whatever, you know, and, and frankly, you know, there's a good reason why you don't necessarily want a massively armed Germany. There's two world wars in the history there, but Germany is like, yep, nope, we're, we're, we're doubling our defense budget and polling has shown that it's overwhelmingly supported by the German people at this point as well. Um, but and look, a lot of, but, but this, and, and, and uh, one, one other mention, one other mention, I'll just say Switzerland came oh, out God, against yes, this sorry. war. And, and this is, this is the first time Switzerland has taken sides in a war in 500 years. <laughs> That's crazy. It's insane. And impose the <laughs> sanctions. Yes. As well. Um, well, look, here, here's the going back to Mr. Putin's miscalculation. Okay, look. Mm-hmm. You know, Donald Trump has been going around saying, well, Putin wouldn't have done this as I was when I was president. He's been going around saying this over and over. And look, one of the things that fucking, you know, Donald Trump seems to Donald Trump doesn't understand that Vladimir Putin saw as one of his biggest personal victories the fact that Donald Trump wound up being elected president of the United States. Yeah. Okay. They I heard him say it in Moscow. This is just not bullshit. 
you know, I'm, I'm sitting in a fucking office of some guy as a, you know, that has a picture of him with Putin. This is when you visited Moscow wall. in 2017, was it? 17, yes, 2017. Look, this was seen and sold to the Russian people as a as a victory for Russia. Okay. And look, Trump was his useful idiot. Trump yep. was dividing NATO. Trump was dividing the EU. Trump was, you know, making every alliance and like weakening, you know, the, you know, liberal democracy, you know, the in- including you know, Ukraine, the by the way, liberal, like including one Ukraine. Of the, one of the reasons that Putin didn't, quote unquote, need to do some of the stuff in Ukraine during the Trump administration was Trump was actively hel- helping him get what he wanted in Ukraine anyway. Correct. Correct. And look at what happened in C- Syria, for example. When Trump went and like, well, pull all the troops out. And all of a sudden, Syria, everything in Syria turned to shit. You know, you wound up with with Russia being able to swoop in, help, you know, his friend, you know, what what's the name of the fucking dictator in Syria? Uh, Bashar, whatever his Assad. fucked um, Assad. Assad. Whatever his fucking name is, asshole. Anyway, this should be his official name. Um, you know, so he was doing his bidding directly. And to him, it was a personal victory. The moment that he wasn't in office anymore, okay, he knew that that was a moment of weakness. Ukraine was not healing to what he wanted, but he saw right now, well, I don't have this guy over there, okay, and you've got this, uh, and I have, like right now, Ukraine not in my sphere, okay, at the moment. And look, he was, he thought, he thought he had the right opportunity. And I also think that the other part was uh, that Merkel's departure in Germany, okay? Mm. Where some of the leadership in Germany, the last few months as Merkel left, had been making a lot of positive things about saying some positive things about Russia, okay? There was a Navy secretary, I think, from Germany. I I can't remember. It was was a top military guy that something something positive about Russia that wound up getting him fired about a couple of months ago. Mm. So what he saw were all these cracks, okay? You got the UK leaving the EU. You've got the, you know, you had Trump dividing NATO. Which, which by the way, like the Trump in 2016 thing, the Russians were kind of involved in pushing Brexit as well. But go ahead. As well. So you had all of these victories. And so then you had that, you know, what happened in Germany with, with the Merkel departure. And so he thought, well, hey, I've weakened all these institutions. Everything's been going my way. You know what? I've got somebody in in Ukraine ever since 2014. My guy got got let out. It's the perfect opening for me to put Kiev back in my sphere. Mm-hmm. That's what he saw. Okay, and so, but what he didn't realize is that the reaction was because he saw what happened when he did the invasion of Georgia. He saw what happened to Crimea. He did the math. He's like, ah, this will be fine. No problem. I I can deal with the economic backlash. Okay. Or so he thought. And well, Mm -hmm. he obviously grossly miscalculated because the economic backlash has been 
I mean, these are the worst sanctions that have been involved on a country of this size ever. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're not quite at North Korea, Iran levels, but we're getting close. I mean, the one thing it, that's been held back so far it, is it, oil sales. Well, no, I mean, because I'm sorry, but as far as I know, I think Iran was in SWIFT. Uh, yeah. So it's not even that bad. Um, I mean, I, I think, and, and, and Iran is obviously a much smaller country economically. It's what I'm saying. It's the size of the, of the economy as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this is, you know, it, it, the, the actions taken have been of an unprecedented scale, um, you know, against them. And so the cost, so, so number one, the cost that he's, that he, that he's, that he's taking, let me put it to you this way. The Russian stock market has been closed all week. Right. All week. They have not been able to re- reopen the Russian stock market because if they did, the, the I mean, it's just everything would just be a cat- catastrophic collapse. Okay. Uh, so that's, that's the first thing. The currency is plummeted. Nobody over there, no, nobody wants to hold fucking rubles. They're cut off from the, the financial system. Hell, you know, the, the, I think the, the other thing is that Russia had intertwined themselves economically with the rest of the world a lot more than, say, Iran or North Korea had, uh, uh, you know, when they, when they had sanctions. Okay? I mean, these are people that used Apple Pay. They had Starbucks in front of their stores. They had Apple stores there. They used, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, the, the, these are not people that were you know, were 30, 40 years ago. They, they, they dependent on all these modern conveniences. And, and basically, all of them have been cut off. Ever, all of them. Ripped yeah. out. Um, no Apple, know, no it, Microsoft, no Oracle. Nothing. <laughs> you know, no, uh, nothing. Oh, oh they, by the way, you can't fly anywhere anymore. And these are, the Russians are used to, I just saw that there was a flight, some charter flight, flying from Cancun to Moscow, okay? <laughs> the route that it's having to take is insane in order to get back to Russia. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's just bonkers. Okay. The route it's having to take. So, um, Russians were used to be able to go a- everywhere. I remember 2011 that I was in Spain and, you know, Ibiza was just flooded with Russians just throwing their money, you know, around doing shit. Okay. Um, and so all of a sudden, they are completely cut off from the world from a right. world that they've gotten very used to. Okay. With, and, with a couple uh, of exceptions like China with very open. narrow exceptions. But, look, yeah, but, but come on, they were really visiting China. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and this, this is clearly part of this picture as well. And we, when we talked earlier about Putin and potentially his position weakening, this is the kind of thing. And, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of the people around him, uh, top Russian leaders, oligarchs, et cetera, are get uh, you know, both the top leaders and their the ol- assets. Yes, I mean, exactly. So the, the, everything. The, the way we're targeting, the way we're targeting sanctions, there are some things that are hitting the entire fucking economy, but there are other things that are targeted at individuals and powerful indiv- individuals. And so, yeah, part of the equation here is do those individuals that are getting hit hit personally start getting to the point where le- they're like, we've had enough of this. 
you know, and do they have enough influence and ability to institute change in one way or another? Or do we start seeing actual like massive public uprisings that well, can also been quite a lot of protests on the street, but you know, there still have not been. at there the level. It, yeah. yeah. Not at the not- level that is like government overthrowing levels. Um, and they're still, and like we said, they're arresting thousands of people. Uh, but you know, you, you see pictures of some of these rallies in like St. Petersburg and stuff. And you're like, yeah, they can't arrest all of them. Um, but you know, Hey, they're this gonna is, try. they're, they're, they're going to try. This is also the kind of thing. I mean, you know, those of us of our age remember Tiananmen square. It is certainly possible to completely suppress a massive public outrising uprising if you are willing to be harsh enough yeah so i i think that is definitely possible and i i just think that um look he miscalculated the costs he obviously thought that uh the liberal order was damaged enough that he could swoop in do whatever the hell he wants and get no response and what he did is uh basically unite the uh uh, the eu nato and western countries more he, than he's got the anything. rest of the world more united on this than they than have ever. been about anything in uh, my anything. life <laughs> yes you know <laughs> and, and, so that backfired too so basically so his battle plan was not well thought out his economic calculations yeah. now, were bad and his thing about dividing the world was also incorrect. So that leaves him right now with basically I just did this and none of I'm get, uh, he's getting none of it. But obviously, of course, I don't know what Putin is also consuming as the reality. Yes, because I'm wondering exactly. How like, much is he surrounded by yes people who won't give him any he bad is, news? As far as we know. And so they're probably saying, how's the war going? Oh, it's going great. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Well, because they're all afraid if they say anything different that something bad will happen to them. Correct. Yes. Yeah, you know, and that's exactly the kind of scenario that you don't want as a leader. You, you I, I, you know, we all know this, but I've heard multiple yeah, people repeat leader. it this week. A good leader needs to have people around him who are not afraid of him or her and are willing to say when they're full of shit. And Listen, say, no, in, uh, you are wrong. And, and to give you bad news and to be in the honest, because if you don't have World that, you War don't have good information. In the closing stages in World War II, when shit was going all wrong, everybody around Hitler was lying to him because they were right. afraid of what he would do. And that made it turned it 10 times worse in the end. Okay. But they were all directly lying. They were all afraid to tell him the truth. Yeah. You know? Because you need that accurate information to make reasonable decisions. If you're, if everybody's just telling you everything's perfect, you're going to be making decisions that don't match reality and it's going to go bad. But but it's a vicious circle because if you're just, you know, anytime anybody gives you bad news, you basically just say you're incompetent here. Fuck you. You're dead. Then, you know, you're just perpetuating the cycle. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I, I did have one other thing I wanted to mention, and then we'll wrap this up, uh, which is the difference in response to what's going on in Ukraine versus 
Syria and Afghanistan and some of the other places, both in terms of the conflicts itself, in terms of how we react, and also in terms of how countries are responding to the refugee flows. Um, Can I, can I, can I, uh, uh, there is one word I could use to, to describe why it's different. There's one word. Go ahead, Yvonne. You want to know what it is? Racism. Yes. (laughs) I mean, what the hell else do you want me to tell you? Look, these people saw fucking children dying. You know, I remember the, the, the pictures of the children dying, trying to flee Syria were horrible. And you know what? People were treating these people like they were dogs Mm -hmm. and they didn't care. And those are some of the most horrific pictures ever. And people just treated them like they were just not human. And, you know, uh, one thing I told somebody today that, that said something about that. And I was like, look, it's not everybody, but unfortunately a, a a large group, a very large one, I would say probably around 50% of the people that the target audience are talking to address or, you know, or, or, or slightly more basically didn't consider them as human. They're Muslim, they're dark, they're Arabs, they're filthy. We don't give a shit. There have been a number of sort of compilations of clips from the press over the last couple of weeks oh, God, where, yeah. where people and reporters on I, major I, I, news outlets, you know, major news outlets that we've all heard of saying things along oh, yeah. the lines of, oh, yeah. you know, this, you know, this is, this isn't like They're Afghanistan. These are, blue-eyed. Th- these are Europeans. It's so different seeing this in Europe and it, it, it's horrifying. I mean, and, and, and frankly, look, it's to some degree, it's understandable. I was listening to last week's show of us and even we like said some stuff along the lines of you look at these people and they look just like us, you know, and they, they have nice jobs and they have this and they have that. And, and so it's easy to fall into that. Uh, and because there is a natural human tendency to the more similar somebody is to yourself, the easier it is to empathize with them. But at the same time, the the, the degree of separation here is outstandingly bad. You know, it's, you know, these other conflicts are uh, that, that we've had in the past have oh, been but, so but look, other. Can I, can I just defend, uh, you know, you I'll, I'll, I'll defend because I, I don't, you know, it was both of us. A little bit. No, no, no. Well, no, no. Well, I was going to defend you. I didn't want to defend myself about it, but I was going to just, <laughs> you know, I, I, I assumed that I did it as well. But my, my whole point about it is about when you're talking about it, it's that I was talking more from the point of view that you don't, we didn't, you know, Europe has been at peace for a long time. So you didn't expect a war like that to, to break out in Europe. Okay. Uh, whereas, you know, there are certain areas in the world that have had ongoing wars for a long time and conflict. And so there are certain places that you expect sometimes look at other conflicts flaring up, but it's not, you know, well, it wasn't it's that long because since of Yugoslavia. It's geez, 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's 30 years, Sam. Oh, it wasn't that long. I remember it, but again, we are old. Okay. 30 go ahead. years. 
It was like yesterday, Vaughn. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. You know, whereas, you know, so I think that that's, I, I think that's the thing. I mean, I, 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 I think that probably many expected that uh, Europe, you know, maybe we've gotten past these wars, right? But you know what? To what extent is, I think what it shows is, I think you're showing the opposite. Is like, you know, we think we're different, but we're not. No, it was the exception. All the same. This sort of post-war period was the exception in history. I yep. mean, Europe, I mean, the almost the entirety of European history that you read about is Has the history of wars. Of wars. You yep. know, you, you've had massive wars raging back and forth back in over Europe. over a thousand years. Yes, but more, you know, all the way back. A thousand. To yes, the Romans. Ex exactly. The you Greeks. know, this was... The, the Europe was not exactly a bastion of peace. We've had this no, weird no. post-World War II bubble that existed. Um, but it it seems like that that really is the exception. But no, in in term in terms of this though, I think there really is a, a key racism factor that is at play oh, God, totally. for why suddenly we're looking at Ukrainians and are like, oh my God. Whereas we most people did not have that reaction to the war raging in Syria or the war raging in Afghanistan or Iraq or whatever. You know, it's just a completely different reaction. Well, then, well we did well, well, we we did pay a lot of attention to Iraq, but at the same time, uh, you know, it was for different reasons. But I'll say um, in, in terms of this though, also certainly the there was no it, compassion for the people getting killed locally. That's yeah, sure. and, the, and and also the the this is clearest when it comes to refugees. Like, well, that's the big thing, you know. I, I mean, we, I think we, that is the thing. Like, you know, Germany famously took in a lot of people over the last few years, and has had you know domestic issues with people resisting that and being uncomfortable with that. But Germany did let lots of people in. But like places like like right now. Poland is throwing their borders wide open. They've basically said anybody from Ukraine can come, no questions asked, blah, blah, blah. And that is not what they said about Syria. No. <laughs> you know, not, and not lots of these European company, uh, co uh, companies, lots of these European Com countries are wide open for your, for, um, Ukrainian immigrants, uh, coming from this, but we're shutting their doors to North Africans you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you see that. And even in the last week coming out of Ukraine, we've had reports of the white Ukrainians being given preference over people like people from Africa who are studying at Ukrainian universities yep. or people from yep. Asia or India or whatever, having trouble getting into Poland with people saying, no, 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 real Ukrainians first you know, and stuff like right. this. And the, you, you, the Ukrainian government, apparently some of this was from the Ukrainian border guards and some of it may have been from the Polish side. The Ukrainian government actually had to come out and specifically have statements that says, no, you know, whoever was doing this, not okay with us. You, we're going to give it equal treatment. The people who are studying at universities or otherwise were immigrants to Ukraine. Uh, you know, it needs to be first come first serve at the border. None of this bullshit, but yet there were problems on the border with, with this kind of stuff where anybody who wasn't, you know, a white blonde blue eyed Ukrainian 
uh, was getting hassled trying to leave the country. Yeah, but I, I did see uh, some live reporting that, uh, that, that a lot of that got the people that had been there. Some, there were some people that had been stuck in a line for days. Yeah, I saw some confirmation that, yes, that they finally let them through. Yeah. I mean, uh, to, to give them credit, the Ukrainian government, when they heard about this, was like, no, absolutely not. Stop this. Anybody who's doing that needs to get out. Um, you know, and, and look, th- this is one of the things that's true here. And people have said, you know, now the, the Russians are trying to be like, you know, the, the Ukrainian government are all neo-Nazis. That's bullshit. However, it is true that there is a significant racist undertone in a lot of Eastern Europe and Ukraine is not exempt. It does exist out there. Um, well, let's be clear. That's, this that's is different. What I said. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> yeah. I said this on a show recently, not that long ago. Look, there is racism everywhere, everywhere. on this fucking planet. Yep. I mean, we're not exempt. I mean, look, look at the last few years. We've been talking about this kind of stuff nonstop because the U.S. Everywhere. is not a model of beauty on this issue. I think I, what I will say is the difference is that I think that in the U.S. we have tried to and spent a lot of more time confronting it than in many other places that I see the racism and they just sweep it under the rug. And right. act like it doesn't exist. Okay, uh, it doesn't mean it, you know. So there, there is more of a societal acknowledgement of the racism, whereas you can go to a country like Brazil where people act like it doesn't happen, but yet it's it's it. it there is a huge amount of racism in Brazil, or in Argentina, or or or, or hell, back in Puerto Rico where I'm from, right. It, it, it's just there. And so, um, you know, look, the, 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 we're, we're not going to fix the world with this. I, I, I mean, unfortunately, and, and, and look, I, I think that you and I, from a lot of these conflicts, look, maybe we haven't talked about the war in Yemen as much, you know, which no. has always been one that, and, and, you know, that are bad on that because it's been something that's been brutal. But we have, I mean, a lot of people have been condemning Saudi Arabia over the last number of years about the policy, Yemen and, and others, you know. Uh, and and but, there are a bunch of other and, conflicts. I mean, the U- U.S. is still doing stuff in Somalia right now. I mean, there, there are a number of conflicts that are going on, and they don't all get the same level of attention. They don't get the same level of attention. I, I, I will say that, you know, when, when the conflict is closer to everybody, I think, in a country so large... Also, because, you know, Ukraine is, is, is a combination of close, big, um, you know, it, it definitely, and a lot of people, obviously, because of a racial component, well, and white. And so it, it added that, you know, it, you had a, you, you had a lot of people that usually didn't give a shit about this, give a shit. Right. And, and I think also, I mean, obviously in terms of amount of attention, the fact that, you know, you got Russia on the other side right. makes a That's big difference big. as well. I mean, yes. the, the whole, it, it, it's entirely different. If when it was like, say, Tajikistan attacking like, uh, you know, Ukraine, we'd be like, ah, whatever, film at 11. 
yeah, I mean, if, if it's the U.S. beating up on Al Qaeda or ISIS in Somalia or something, or like Yon. Okay, great, beautiful. It, it, it's it's kind of background noise. I mean, it maybe it shouldn't be, but it is. But it is. Uh, and and even in you know you mentioned Yemen, that's basically a proxy war between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Which okay, you know, but the the fact that this has the potential to expand into a you know Russia versus NATO thing puts it in a whole different ballpark. Right. So. Right. Okay, I think we're done, Yvonne. All right, we're done. And unless you you have any other aspects that we have not touched on that you want to make sure you no. get there. Okay. Uh, no. In that case, let's close this sucker up. Um, this is, uh, this has been curmudgeons corner. You can find our website on curmudgeons corner.com from there. You can find out all the ways to contact us. You can view our archives. You can do all of that. Uh, importantly, you can also get to our Patreon. Uh, which is how you can uh, give us a little cash money to help with the expenses of the show. Um, and uh, if uh, you either and, and at the Patreon at different levels, you'll get us mentioning you on the show, us sending you a postcard, a mug, all kinds of stuff like that at $2 a month or more on the Patreon. Or if you just contact us in any of the ways that you can see on curmudgeons-corner.com and ask nicely, we will invite you to our Commudgeons Corner Slack where Yvonne and I and a variety of listeners uh, throughout the week are sharing links, talking about whatever's going on. Um, Yvonne, are there one or two things that happened on the Commudgeons Corner Slack? That- did I share that? I think I did. Uh, there was one story that I shared that there's a Rolex shortage. I, I don't, I don't, if you shared that, I didn't see it. Oh, fuck. So well, I, I thought I gonna- did, but that's the kind of stuff that I share, but but by the way, what there is it? a Rolex. I mean, there there obviously was lots of Ukraine talk in the last week. Were there one or two things, Yvonne, that you wanted to highlight that weren't Ukraine related? From uh, the uh, there, there was an SNL skit that that happened last week about people just making fun of the current situation with uh, masking and stuff or whatever. That was that was funny. Okay, okay, so we, we, that was shared. There was uh, let's see what else we had. Uh, there was a Florida man that blamed Putin in an avoid to in an attempt to avoid a speeding ticket. Huh. How, there how was did that al- work out for him? Not very well. Uh, okay. There was also uh, uh, I, I shared a video of a massive fail on Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> nice, uh, nice. Uh, where somebody was had another feather blank and Y blank U R and then blank A blank. And uh, they gave all the wrong answers. And by the way, let me be clear about that person. If anybody saw this video, you guys have to pull it on it. There was a guy right beside her as well who also gave all the wrong answers. Okay, when he had a chance. (laughs) Now, the other guy that knew the answer kept getting, rolling, spinning the wheel because he had no money and going bankrupt, 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 lose a turn. He's like going, I know the answer, you idiots. It's not a f- another feather in your lap. It's not another feather in your cat. It's not a- not another feather in your hat, and so on and so. I mean, it was just it, it was it, to, to, it, to it be was clear. Funny. The phrase is another feather in your cap. Yes. Okay. Well, they didn't know. Uh, you know. 
so so that I, I did share that one. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, there we shared some stuff on the new uh, CDC recommendations and guidance. And um, which, by the way, if we didn't have Ukraine going on, I would easily do a whole segment on the debate around that because there's all kinds of whatever. Anyway, but yes, CDC issued oh. new guidance. So yeah, so uh, so that those are the the, the main things uh, uh, that we shared uh, recently. Uh, the rest of the stuff has just been like Ukraine, Ukraine, and January sixth stuff. Yeah. There, there have been new sure. January 6th developments as well. Uh, I, I also shared, uh, uh, well, I did share, and some people commented that, well, State of the Union was happening, which I I, I, I was uh, <laughs> I was made busy by my son wanted to play with our slot car track. I, I also did not watch the State of the Union. I, I Alex and I actually watched uh, a, um, uh, a an old episode of House of Cards instead so okay. uh um, but and and uh the, the one thing i wanted to to, to mention you'd talked oh man did i already forget you, you know you reminded me of something and then my mind is already forgotten it this is it this is once again back to the we are getting old uh, you know i can't keep a thought in my head 20 seconds while you talk about something else it's just you know i i, I know it's bad but <laughs> But slot cars, I'm telling you, slot cars are fun. I, I got to tell you. I could see that. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's been a while since I've played them uh, in real life. I played a video game slot cars thing not that long yeah, ago. Yeah, no, no. It's different. not the same thing. And not the same thing. I, I mean, I played a video game with the cars. The slot cars in person is fun. So, uh, well, I I mean, so so that's uh, that's about it, basically. Yeah, and I know as soon as we end this episode, I will remember whatever it was that I wanted to say, and it'll be too late, because, well, you know, okay. that's the way it goes. All right. Anyway, everybody, hey, uh, as usual, stay safe, have a good week, have fun, but not too much fun, all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if thinking of all the people in Ukraine, and and in including the stupid construction conscripted Russian troops who don't want to fucking be there and are dying in the hundreds and hundreds as well. You know, yeah. it, it, it's just a disaster on all sides. And the sooner we can get to a good solution, the better. But I, I worry that it's going to take a while and there's going to be a lot more death before we're out of this. Um, anyway, uh, on, the, on that gloomy note, uh, I'm hoping Yay! I'm wrong. Uh, so everybody who's listening to this, uh, have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. That's it. We're out.